Hello good people and welcome to the Brunswick Beer Collective. This is part of our style or stylish style, uh, the style season. Makes it sound like a fashion man. We are the style boys. Yeah, we're definitely. <laughs> yeah, watched a lot of that the other day. Yeah, that's I still seen the movie. No, no, neither have I. That's the Andy Sandberg one, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can get most of it just off YouTube, right? You can just sort of watch the clips of the songs. That basically communicates yeah. the vast majority of okay. what you need to know. Or, or I could um, just like uh, get Ben, uh, occasional guest Ben, to um, say it all out loud. I feel like he knows the entire film off off by yeah. heart now. Yep. But, but this episode is about sour beers. Um, I'm Chris Short, with me is Jeffrey Chi. Good day. With me is Paul Christoph. How's it going? And this is about sours. This is about those ones that look right now at the Ale House. They have their Shut the Puck Up uh, number two, which is the Summer Fruit Sour Showcase, which I just like the alliteration there. Yes. And sour beers, I feel like they're one of those things that, you know, that uh, they're just nice. They're everywhere, and they're nice. It's the beer du jour. Mm. It is the beer du jour, isn't it? I mean, it's sort of the style that, you know, I mean, we talked about We talked about this on another episode, you know, the all many times on many episodes about the craft beer journey. Yeah. Sour yeah. beers are usually the last style that you get to just because they're the most different to mm. normal beer. Um, I mean, Farrah, if, if we could actually just take clips from all our previous episodes where we've discussed sours, we could probably make just an episode, episode. Without recording mm, yeah, mm, to be honest. Alright, well we're done then. Alright, alright. Um, we'll, <laughs> See we'll, you next we'll, week. We'll air task at this. Someone yeah. else can do it for us. So, and I, I do think it's interesting that sort of I, uh, my, and my barista asked me um, the other day because he'd seen a picture on our Instagram of the editor. Yes. Um, uh, our co-conspirators and our friend Emily from Frost's uh, beer. Well, the best beers last year. It was a beautiful Insane. beer. Fantastic beer. And, that and needs to be permanent. I totally agree. But he, he was like, Chris, uh, Chris, what does that beer like? I just sort of, sort of like, I've, I really want to track it down. And then that, and then that he was, because uh, clearly he's not quite that far along his, in his craft beer journey. And he was like, oh, it's a, bit, it's a bit sour though. It's like, oh, it was meant to be a sour. Yeah, but it was a bit sour, wasn't it? But yes, it, yes, it was. <laughs> but it was just that, you know, maybe that's maybe that's the stone that starts the avalanche. Maybe that's a big thing for him. I thought it was interesting. Especially if you're not expecting it. Mm. But I should drink a beer and be like, that's sour. Like, mm. It's just... You think there's something wrong with it. Mm. Yeah, exactly. You, you, uh, you want to take it back. Yeah, well, interestingly, I just found this um, article in Time magazine where... You know when you know it's a thing when Time magazine is writing an article yeah. about sour beers. You know, well, yeah, you know that you know they had um, t- Donald Trump as person of the year in that fake um, yeah. cover that he had made for himself. <laughs> sour beer is fake beer. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. So um, it's this guy from Portland, Ec- Ecliptic Brewing. So they introduced the peach sour beer. Um, it was so popular that they started making it every week, other than rather than every other week. And it kept becoming more and more popular that they've made it a year-round beer. And he was saying 30 years ago, if a beer had come out like that, they mm. would have thrown away the batch. Mm. And now it's part of their core range. Um, and just interesting stat in the US. Um, 2015, only 45,000 cases of sour beer were sold. In 2016, it increased to 245,000 cases. What the hell? And even in, so this is a 2016, uh, 2017 article, and so two years ago, even, um, it's even Miller Coors, 
their Blue Moon Brewery is making sales, brewery yep. only. Um, and even Whole Foods Market stock over 150 different salaries. So that's kind of just a luxury you've been in the States. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. For a star, which was basically nothing to the average consumer a few years ago, that's mm. pretty impressive. Mm. So, Jeff, you've done the research, so I'm going to hand this over to you. Sure. What is a sour? I mean, a sour is basically just beer where you've allowed, deliberately allowed wild yeast strains and bacteria into the beer to make it taste sour. So it's actually to Paul's point that, you know, it would have been the case that, yeah, if that happened accidentally, you would just chuck the batch because you, you know, something's gone wrong. And so actually, historically, like a lot of beers would sort of taste somewhat sour because, you know, the engineering required to maintain sterile brewing conditions and to like to keep consistency of process and environment you know hasn't always been the way it is now and mm. so you would you would have always had like little bits of you know wild yeast or bacteria sort of creeping into batch of beer obviously now um they've got it down to fine art so that doesn't happen by accident so this is where now they do it on purpose it's basically um sour beer is, is sort of, so you know so there are, there are you know so there's you know the lactobacillus the our favorite brett and um, what's the other one? It's called pediococcus. Is the other um, the other common agent used to intentionally sour beer? What I was going to say, Brett. To me, that's that's as far as the craft beer world goes, the you know modern craft beer world. I guess Brett's kind of what kicked it off here, especially. Yeah, like, yeah, I agree with that. That was the first one where it's like have this. There's this yeast that everyone's using, which even though many of us will avoid Brett like the plague. Yeah, well, I think what we weren't is the thing that's true is people didn't know how to use it. Yeah, it's like yeah. Mm. There's this yeast strain that essentially, it's in these wine barrels that gets infected. It screws up wine that brewers are using, it. and we thought we, oh, I think we all thought we hated it. Mm. Like the beers that were currently used by Vices were terrible. But then after a year, when people actually figured out how to use it, they're fantastic beers that use the strain. Yep. And I think that's what we're seeing now. It started off where it's like, oh, let's just. Do this yeast training and see what happens and now people are really becoming brewers even if you know all over australia included are becoming quite skilled at learning how to work with different yeast strains and get the most out of them well because it's uh, okay it's not exactly it, not exactly like this but it sounds like it's pretty much it's like controlled chaos almost it's like um control and chaos Oh, I wouldn't thought I wouldn't have gone that far. But, <laughs> but it, it's kind of like uh, letting something, uh, knowing how much um, you can get away with in terms of letting something go about its business, and then just sort of drinking whatever comes of it. Does that actually make sense, or did I just say bullshit? No, I'm I think, not really I mean, sure. Well, kind of, it, it basically makes sense. Yeah, yeah. well, especially from I think you think a farmhouse point of view, that's the because it's, I guess. <laughs> chaos and control but like you know what yeasts are in the air but at the end of the day like you've got this open ferment but there's a lot that can go wrong yeah technically but they nail it they've mm. been doing it for hundreds of years you know in Belgium and stuff so but by the way there was a certain um, charm there by the fact that uh, we're in the ale house and the windows are windows are open and uh, you know we're getting everything coming in here with the window open as you're saying it. It's a nice fact. Yeah, I mean, you could throw a beer on this table if you wanted to. 
You would not burn a beer at this time. The yeast of Brunswick East. <laughs> Brunswick East. Brunswick hey. East. Yes. All right. That's, that's Brewers, that's if you're thing. listening. Mm. Well, that's the thing. I mean, when you're finding um, yeast styles, don't they just sort of like randomly walk through fields and then suddenly that they come across one? Well, I mean, that's what... So, Wildflower, mm. I think was the best example in Australia of that, which, I mean, one of my... One of mine and many people's, I'd say, favourite breweries in Australia and are arguably the most interesting brewery in the country at the moment. We'll have Molly Rose opening soon and they're doing mm-hmm. similar things from a Victorian standpoint. But, yeah, Wildfire, they pretty much walk around the Blue Ranges and the coast of New South Wales and find yeast strains and then spend, you know, one, two years Examining them, working with them, figuring out how to make them work with beer, and then they start making commercially available beers. Like there's a long, long process between yeah going for a wonder and foraging some yeast, actually creating a beer. But the end result has been fantastic. I think truly, truly Australian beers, and I think that's one of the things which we're seeing more, I guess, in beer in general, which. We're seeing more, but we don't get enough. I've touched upon it a few times on in Instagram comments about um, using native ingredients. So from an Australian point mm. of view, you have the uh, Nomad beer with the finger lime. Oh yeah, that was fantastic. And so what? That's one angle to make a beer that has a sense of is unique to a sense of place is using native ingredients. But native yeast is another one. But the fact of the matter is, some of the beers that Wildflower is putting out, as an example, are only beers that you can get in Australia. Only beers that you can get in New South Wales, really. And I think that's that's really good. When you see, we've discussed many times with Neepers, a lot of Australian brewers making Neepers and they just, it's not, you know, not controversial to say the Australian brewers are making some very good beers, but they're not really coming close to the best ones in the US. But, you know, when you look at some of the interesting, you know, some wildflower beers, they're not trying to be like anything else, they're trying to be uniquely Australian. So I think sour, no matter what country you're from, sour beer certainly gives you that ability to express yourself and give your beer a sense of place more so than any other style, I think. I hadn't really thought about the, uh, I think you make an amazing point I'd never really thought about it until I just said it, I'm quite Um, surprised I spoke that much about it. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, about the whole how you have like a uh, an identity based on like a, a, a beer or a beer identity based on the yeast that they find and I think that's a really good take around wildflower but it's also something that you can't really you couldn't really do with another style in that same way because you're so restricted by what is expected of that style to begin with yeah I don't know. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. But I mean, I think we've sort of seen enough sort of innovation across many styles. That I, don't, I don't think it's that. It's, I think it's just that this sort of started as literally a style that had just no parameters or, you know, like, you know, literally it's fermented by opening up the thing to the air and seeing what happens and then kind of blending it, you know, a, different batches of, you know, you know your, your, um, your lambic style, basically, you know, blending batches of things in, in a way that kind of makes sense, so. Yeah, it lends its way to blending in yeah. a way that probably only stouts do, which is yeah. interesting given how different stouts and sours are. But what, what else is there about sours? 
Um, I mean, I guess, you know, if you sort of, sort of think about, you know, the different, um, you know, sub-styles, I think they are, some of them are, you know, so you've got your, um, your lambic style, which is, yeah, you know, open it up to the air and then let it ferment and then mix different batches and bring them together. You know, your Berlinerweiss is, a, I didn't know this, but apparently it is... Um, it's, a, it's a sour? It, it's, well, it's, it's yeah, a, but, it, but it's specifically the use of lactobacillus that, that, is, uh, that, is, that characterises a Berlinerweiss. I did not know that. Uh, usually served with flavoured syrups to balance the tart flavour, which, which, mm-hmm. which we did know. Uh, Gozer's... Um, so, Gozer is a top-fermenting beer that originated in Goslar in Germany, so that's where the name yeah. comes from. <laughs> not from Ghostbusters. No. This style is characterized by the use of coriander and salt and is made sour by inoculating the wort with lactic acid bacteria before primary alcoholic fermentation. So, yeah, so each of the styles, like, yeah, so each of the styles there is a specific, well, some, somewhere between a vague and a specific process by which they, they're kind of, they're kind of all created. So that, that's quite interesting as well. I think another reason why they're becoming popular is, so interestingly, you know, craft beer, you know, heads obviously love sours, but people that expect beer to taste like open quote real beer close quote aren't particularly fans of sours but what you do get is people that aren't sour fans liking sours hmm. so one of my five star beers from almanac the uh the dog patch the one that's aged in the red wine barrel one the white wine barrel one the, uh, and then probably blended in patch, some sort of bourbon barrel grand cru um, What's a what's a wine wine sour blend, and that's one of my favourite beers. The um, twenty sixteen, I believe it is. Maybe not. Maybe not twenty sixteen. Anyway, like fantastic beers, and it's one of the only ones that you know, my wife obviously hates beer, as we're discussing this podcast. You know, there have been a you know, three beers in her life that she's tried and has not said. It's too yeasty. That's gross. Um, and one of them was the two. Two of them have been sours. Hmm. That's an interesting point. Uh, I've read a few articles as well where brewers are finding that people that don't consider themselves beer drinkers, where some are liking sours. And a really interesting. I think this whole open ferment thing. We're seeing this merging in the worlds of. Cider, wine, and beer. Everybody is now doing things with interesting wild yeasts. Yeasts. And um, the lines are getting blurred. I had a wine from um, um, Memento Mori, a small winery up in Heathcote. I drank it. It tasted like a cider. It was very ciderish. And I tried a cider from Dalesford that always tasted like a natural wine. And then I've tried beers that always taste a bit more like a wine or a cider. It's this whole merging of, oh, like, it's kind of like music where people are like, you know, what's your genre? And then sometimes you hear a song and you're like, well, I don't know what genre that is. I just like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm buying that with some of these wines, beers, and ciders. And kind of like, well, it's kind of tastes like it could be any of those three things, kind of this weird Venn diagram where all the stuff's coming together. and. I think it's really exciting. There's all kinds of interesting stuff happening. Are we, are we going to see the like um, sours calling themselves um, wines to get get around the um, excess? You never know. That's a good point. It's, it's an imperial sour, or is it a wine? Yeah. Just go so arbitrary. The excess lies, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. Yep. 
So on that note, because you know we've clearly got into um, tax exercise, which clearly worked out really well for um, uh, like you know Star Wars episodes one and two. There's one um, thing our listeners love listening to: it's a discussion on tax. That's right. <laughs> Next up is trade deficits. No, uh, we'll be back with a really awesome beer. And we are back, and we're back with a beer that I guess I will. I want to talk this one up only because when in our last season, when we spoke with the gentleman who runs um, Pete, who runs Podriggy, uh, he talked to this up as being like, "This is this is coming soon." And I remember thinking to myself, "I have to, I have to try this." The space, uh, this. So this is Podriggy's Space Milk Volume Two. Yep. Yes, pineapple, lime, and cayenne, and. Alright, uh, I'm just going to jump right in and say what my first impression is, which is, this is beautiful. I love it. I really do. It's a really tasty beer. Mm. It's like, yeah, just light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can get all those flavours coming through it. Yeah. And, no. Sorry, yeah, you do. You taste all those three things. Yep. And that hit of cayenne is just sort of... It's just, it's not the extreme. It's just like everything balances. Yeah. It's like what we did with the, um, with the market, the market yeah. meat You don't want it to taste like you're drinking chili. You want that mm. just subtle hint, hint of chili mm. to build on the back of your palate as mm. you drink it. No, it's, it's quite beautiful, which I've completely jumped a gun, um, uh, into, you know, I know this is the second one of the series. I never got to have the first one. No, I don't think I have the first one either. No, but I like the idea that... I Bodri- did have the first one. There you oh, go. So. Cascara Berry Sour. I gave it 3.75 at the House of Mirrors. Well, makes sense. In a can. But, uh, look, I just like the idea that, you know, Bodrigi is still quite a new brewery. And that they're willing to bring out this just these limited release can-only versions. And really actually do something that's a little bit, like, bold. A little bit different. It's a good thing. Yeah. It's a good thing. But I guess the obvious question is, um, have people actually checked this damn thing in? What are, what are they saying about it? Uh, we do have check-ins. Yeah, so that was what I was going to jump to. So, oh, go. Um, when I was talking before. So um, Dan O, Carwin Sellers, 16 hours ago. Obviously Carwin had their Midnight Sour event too. Yeah, for those who aren't aware, it's an event they have this time every year where... Um, one sour released every hour from midday and it goes till midnight yeah till midnight um, so um and then if you're still standing at the end then you get to have the midnight sour yeah of um, course you can just stand at midnight and have the midnight sour yeah. but. <laughs> where's the chili good beer but description let me left me hanging 2.5 which is odd because the chili is it's definitely there definitely there but it is that yeah back of the palate sort of thing although when was that when was that chicken? was that yesterday no, 16 hours ago, yes, so... Okay. Uh, Rosemary. Um, which gives you, the listeners, a good idea of when we're recording this. Yeah. <laughs> Rosemary, um, who we all know, 19 hours ago at the same event. Hey, Rosie. Right on the pineapple and lime. Cayenne subtle, but hangs around a bit, 3.75. It's interesting, again, because I can really taste the pineapple and lime. Mm. So I've got Mark B at the Mont Albert Milk Bar. Not very milky, run-of-the-mill kettle sour with a slight chilly heat. Mm. I'll give it the not particularly milky. I'll... It's not particularly yeah. milky, no, not at all. 
And what you, you gave it a 3.25 out of 5. Simon Pee at Carwin Sellers. A shit lolly rolled in pepper, unsure. 3.5. Ooh, I really didn't expect it to be this divisive. Yeah. I mean, anything with chilli is usually a little bit divisive, but... Uh, Olivier V at 55. Limey goodness up front, tartness through the middle, and subtle can on the back. Amaze balls, 4 out of 5. Okay, that's kind of what I expected. Heathery T at low key. Late chicken for yesterday, 3.5. <laughs> uh, Talia, also at 55. Like drinking a lime yogurt beer, nice bit of heat on the back end. Heart emoji, 3.75 out of 5. QM. I'll try this again. Have just eaten a bunch of hot suppressor. Three stars. <laughs> if he's eating a bunch of hot suppressor, he certainly ain't going to be getting the chili. No. Uh, Jez at the at the Aarhus project where we are. Kind of like a pineapple Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary chili is very subtle. Three point five out of five. Kind of like the description. Just um, I mean I'm, I'm not sure if it's entirely accurate, but I like the description of a pineapple Bloody Mary. Hmm. Uh, one fine brew. A nice, clean, super refreshing brew, tropical and citrus with a real nice spice in the finish. Tastes a bit like citrusy ginger beer, 3.75. Definitely see where it's coming mm. from there. JJB at the Fitzroy Pinnacle. Unique flavour and tantalising spiciness. Maybe their best yet. Four stars. I just like the fact that it's at the Fitzroy Pinnacle. Uh, Charles at the Ale House Project. Nice. I wondered if it would be like a splice, but no, it's more like a shandy. Maybe a shandy spider. And then we have ice cream, drink, and beer emojis. 3.75 out of 5. Good work of emojis, Charles. A good use of emojis, Charles. Alright, give me one more, people. You can fight it out. Hey, Michelle. Tastes oddly like ginger beer. I like it, but at Redwood, 3.5. Nice. Cool. Um, look, I've pretty much gushed about this. What do you guys think? I really like it. No, I'm probably going to give it a 4. It... I mean, you could, you could argue that it needs to lose 0.25 because it, do, it doesn't have that, despite the lactose and the spice, what space milk, it doesn't really have that milky, milkshaky kind of flavour. Mm. So, you know, you could, you could argue that it loses 0.25 for not being completely to description, but at the end of the day, it's a low ABV sour with pineapple, lime and cayenne, and it does all that. And I'm... Actually, really enjoying the refreshing low ABV sours. It's nice, especially you know you get a few boozy IPAs, you get a few low ABV sours to clean your palate, and it means overall you're not drinking too much alcohol. And mm-hmm. just especially cause, especially because we're getting older. Yeah. So, mm. but, but yeah, just I mean, from a flavour point of view, it's yeah, fantastic, refreshing, and has all the flavours it says it's going to have. So yeah, four stars. I really like it. Yeah, I really like it too. I mean, I think I'll give it, I'd give it a 3.75. I think, I don't know, yeah, maybe it's just the fact that I'm not getting the lactose off it is just um, impairing my ability to give it a 4. But, you know, I can certainly, yeah, I mean, it's still a great beer. I will very happily drink this again. So, yeah, but yeah, 3.75 for me. I'm going 4, which I was probably really? obvious. Yeah, no, it's really? true, it's true, I'm it's true. I'm surprised. No. No, I, I really love this beer. Um, it's... Again, I, I agree that the lactose isn't as strong as I would like, but it just, it just works. I, I, think, it, it's, I think it's really good. Um, good work, Rodrigi. You guys have done awesomely. And we look forward to like, running amok at your brewery when it opens in February.
which it will be when it yeah. may be open by the time this by the time this episode life. appears. In the meantime, I think we should move on to one last beer. And we are on to our last sour. And what is this? This is the Margo Native Margarita Ale by Edge. N- knocking on the native door. Yeah, well, I thought after my uh, little little spiel earlier, this is a beer that can. I don't. I don't believe it contains native yeast, but um, it contains lemon aspen, salt bush, and tequila oak staves. Mm. Yeah. So drawing drawing inspiration from the classic margarita cocktail, we have Australianized this delicious drink. Apparently. Yeah, brewed in collaboration mm. with um, Little Hot. Hello, Little Hot. The, the Mexican restaurant. Um, where Sancho used to be near um. It's that bar that has the naked in the sky. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah, near there. We're not been yet. Cool. No, I assumed Little Hop was just uh, like another brewery. Because it's a really good night. Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure that's what I'm thinking. Unless I'm thinking of the complete different thing. Which I could be, you know, I mean, I could be fake news. <laughs> well, as long, as long as nobody finds out, then you can, you know, Taco every, everything is news. Brunswick Street. Yep. Okay, there you go. Nice. Sip a beer, eat tacos, watch the world go by. Actually, that's pretty. That's a pretty good tagline. Yeah, by um, by the people that run Los. Pardon, by the people that own Los Amigos. Mm. Which is in Brunswick West, and it has craft beer. So, first impression, can you remember what a margarita tastes like, and um, does this taste like it? I'll stop drinking the last beer. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'll give that as being margarita-ish. Yep, that's yeah, definitely got, got the that salt and yeah, that's and, right. Yeah, no, no, it it kind of tastes. It, it, from what I can recall, I think the last margarita I had was a frozen one. Yep. Um, so, but from what I can recall from that, it tastes pretty similar. Yeah, it, it feels like it needs a, a um, salted rim though. Yeah, that's mm, right. It actually feels like it needs that, like yeah. it would work with it. Mm. <laughs> no, it's a good touch. Yeah, yeah, margarita yeah, Margaret is not a cocktail I have often, but yeah, from what I recall, this this is yeah, pretty much uh, should have also ordered a round of margaritas. Mm. We should have. That would have that would have um, certainly yeah. helped to enhance the experience. I, I would I would love it. Uh, I'm not sure if a, the Isle House would really do margaritas. I'm sure he would. Yeah. He's, yeah, got right. He's got tequila, he's got salt. <laughs> I don't know what the other components of margarita are, but I think it's like, it will be like Contra or yeah. um, um, Barley wine. Barley wine. Well, there's almost only barley wine. Yeah, yeah. Well, barley wine is life. Which Tomato, we'll get to in a later episode. mozzarella, fresh basil. <laughs> so what are people saying about this? Uh, tequila, orange liqueur and lime juice served with salt on the rim of the glass. There you go. Shaken with ice, blended with ice or without ice. Yeah, so generally, Two parts tequila, one part lime juice, one part contract. Hmm. Um, so here we go, we've got Jez again, the Ale House Project. Tequila, not too boozy, but dominates the flavour. Lemony notes stink up slowly, refreshing, 3.25 out of 5. Um, Shell, also at the Ale House Project. First two mouthfuls left me confused on if I liked it or not. The more I taste it, the more I appreciate the flavours coming through, 3.5. Uh, da, 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 da. Mark T, odd culture. 
Sour, fruity, needs salt, 4.25. Which, yeah, I mean, I, mm, I, I agree do. with it. It's, it's funny, you drink it and you're like, yeah, like, I, I want a salted rim after this. Uh, Matt T at Little Hop, this is extremely delicious and I love it, 4.5. I, I like how specific that is. Um, Pazette at Hophead's Altona, and he's drinking sour, 4.25. Oh wow. Evan C at Beer Mash. The old style pub squash, spelt as ye oldie. Mm. The old style pub squash. Smoky mezcal agave and herbal lemon esters on the aroma. Thirst quenching, freshen, isotonic body. Flavours of pine lime, pine lime meringue, pithy grapefruit, dried oregano, and a drying wiseness chalky finish. Four stars. Uh, Rosa G at Little Hop, a light tart sour that still tastes like beer, a rarity. They've nailed flavours of margarita, perfect summer thirst quencher, 4.5 out of 5. Hoppy Pete at Beer Mash. Hi Hoppy Pete. Uh, no, uh, no comments, but uh, and it looks like a picture of a tack. <laughs> um, three stars. Good work Hoppy Pete. I mean, granted, that's kind of low, but even so, <coughs> any rating from Hoppy Feet is a good rating. I think we're, uh, we're out of comments, man, because this only has um, 40 check-ins. Yeah, it's very new. Well, that also works out because we're almost out of time. Um, what do we think? Out of touch. We're, we've always been out of touch. Out of time. Out of my head. <laughs> when you're not around. around. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, what do we think, folks? Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I really quite like this. Um, I think it, yeah, it kind of nails what it's supposed to. It's refreshing. It's yeah, it's great. Three point seven five. Yeah, I'm. I'm giving it three point seven five. If I had that salted rim, salted rim, I'd probably give it four, which maybe means it should go four. I don't know. It's very good. But you always insist on salted rims. Yeah. It's getting weird now. I'll give it. I'll give it a four. I really like. It. I don't. Yeah, I like it just as much as the last beer, and I gave that a four. So I'll give it a four. It does exactly what it should do. I'm going for three point seven five. I think it's. But the the problem is, I mean, I don't want to. Like I'm, I, I'm comparing it with a margarita, and I can't remember enough about it, so I can't really comment there. But as a beer, I enjoy it as a three point seven five one. So. Believe it or not, that has been an entire episode about, uh, sorry, entire episode about sour beers. It's crazy, I know. We have been the Brunswick Beef Legend. We've been Paul Christoph. Good night. We've been Jeffrey Cheek. What to say? And we've been Chris Shorten. And we will talk to you all next week.